Hi everyone, I'm Wendy Muse, the creator of The Left Pocket Project, an online platform that seeks to bring you the histories of leftists of color one swipe at a time. And this is The Left Pocket Project Podcast. Before I introduce my guests for the eighth episode of The Left Pocket Project Podcast, I wanted to give a big thank you to all of my subscribers on Patreon, new and old. From dollar donors to $5 donation comrades, all of your support goes a long way. As I've noted on Twitter, your generosity helps fund recording and editing software, online storage fees, and a whole lot of coffee. Your contributions also help fund the annual fees for the website, leftpoc.com, which I will be launching very soon. So thank you very much again. On that note, whether you can or can't contribute financially, you can always help the Left Pocket Project in multiple ways. You can retweet, repost, and share. You can check out the leftists of color whose histories I covered through the project and retell them to a family member, significant other, or a friend. You can both learn and educate. Whatever method you decide to use to spread the word, I will appreciate. Now on with the show. In today's episode of the Left Pocket Project podcast, I'm joined by Victor Monterosa, an activist and attorney from Newark, New Jersey, who's currently running for city council along with several other progressive Newarkers who make up a platform they've called AMP, or A Movement for the People. Victor received a BA from Vassar College in 2007 and his JD from Rutgers School of Law in 2014. As an attorney, Victor has represented indigent clients on matters of housing, bankruptcy, and consumer law. And at present, he works as a staff attorney at Covenant House of New Jersey, where he represents homeless young people in criminal and civil cases. Victor also serves on the Newark Civilian Complaint Review Board to investigate police misconduct, assist the Greater Newark HUD Tenant Coalition with affordable housing matters, and serves as treasurer of the Urban Cooperative Enterprise Legal Center. Victor and I talk about the history of challenges and progressive activism in Newark, his run for city council, and what inspires him to remain committed to his community. Victor, thanks so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, I noticed that you are running for office um, in Newark. I feel like I see so much in the news about Newark, but um, I'd be curious to know, like, your own personal perspective and how you got there. Yeah, well, it's it's been a a little difficult because I'm... I'm not completely uh, in love with electoral politics. I think that uh, a lot of the problems, these big critiques that we've had, that we're hearing more in the last few years, with uh, um, or that that's become much more clearer in terms of corporate control over elections, or how um, candidates are often in the pockets of corporations or moneyed interests. 
uh, I usually stayed away. But in the last three or four years, seeing uh, things like what happened with uh, Bernie Sanders or uh, just the fact that people in general seem to be very disaffected with the two uh, ruling parties, I that that's something I felt since I was a, a, a teenager. And now that it's really uh, come into the mainstream, my mentor said, you know what, this is a chance for you to really uh, take, uh, work with people, really reach out to, with people, um, be able to expose some of the contradictions that we have in our electoral, electoral process, and of course, hopefully uh, be able to make great change and, and represent uh, all the folks that I've been working with for so long, uh, not as an organizer or as an attorney, but as a, 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 an elected official. And what office specifically are you running for, and why did you choose that office? Uh, so I'm running for councilman at large in Newark. Newark is the largest city in New Jersey, um, not too far away from New York City. And I decided to run uh, for councilman at large because I have advocated before the council for about 10 years now. And I, I have come to the council with everything from uh, asking them to prevent demolition of public housing, to um, in, in making improvements to uh, our polluted air, or uh, to stop certain deals happening, like allowing medical waste to be processed in our neighborhood. Uh, I've um, advocated on education issues or on uh, hospital closings. And every time this comes to the council, every time I brought this to the council, I um, I always bring numbers. I, I was a debater in high school. I've been taught to uh, be able to give a really good debate. And uh, when I would come to the council with these numbers and with this backup, with this evidence, I, would, I wouldn't hear anything from them. And so I, I would step up my lobbying, uh, especially for, for tenants' rights, which is the, the main uh, organizing job that I had advocating for the council, and I would never see results. So uh, recently, in the last four years, we, uh, a group of tenants was able to get a rent control ordinance passed, a, a strong rent control ordinance. And shortly after they passed it, the administration, which is Brad Baraka's administration, has been lobbied heavily by landlords and developers who convinced the mayor and the people who sit on the city council to weaken the ordinance. So mm. in the last four years, we fought that back, fought that back. But uh, in last March, they weakened it, and we were tired of it, and we were able to pass a petition where we were going to get the issue on the ballot, and we actually forced them all to, to vote on it and said, and they passed it, and at that time, it just made sense. We need better representation on the council. So speaking of representation, um, someone who's very prominent from Newark, who's often in the news, is Cory Booker, for better or for worse, often for worse. Um, and I he I often see him sort of grandstanding or doing it a lot with regard to platitudes against Trump um, and other conservative figures. But on the progressive side, on the left, we have a lot of criticism of Cory Booker. And I'd wanted, I really wanted to hear from you as someone from Newark, what is your relationship like as a resident of Newark, as someone who's an activist in Newark, with a lot of public officials? How does how is the relationship between, um, or I guess the the disconnect between the image that they project 
to the larger public and the real on the ground relationship they have with people like you and your community? Well, you know, any time that people are working on the ground, which is constantly, it's always going on, uh, that's not in the news. That, that's, we never see these, these small town meetings where three or four people come out or maybe 20 on a good night who are concerned with uh, improving their neighborhoods or avoiding decisions that will uh, make their neighborhoods worse. You, you never see that on TV. What you do see is these uh, – really big uh, PR opportunities, which uh, Senator Booker is, has been really good at, at, at uh, taking advantage of, uh, whether it was when he ran into the burning house or when he was uh, living in the tent outside of public housing, he knows how to uh, bring the, the media around him. And, you know, some people just aren't really good at that. Uh, I in terms of, of his relationship with folks, of course, you know, as a, a, a doing two and a half terms as mayor, he made a, a lot of relationships and he needed to build very strong relationships to get into council to begin with and then eventually uh, win the, the mayor uh, seat. But um, Mr. Booker, I think, it, it was often very allied with uh, more neoliberal or moneyed interests. And one interesting situation that happened in Newark that a lot of folks don't know about. I don't think it really made the, the headlines, but Newark has three pristine uh, water sources here in New Jersey. And uh, then Mayor Booker attempted to privatize this water. And uh, interestingly enough, in the last couple of years, the person who headed that project, as well as uh, her partners on that project, have all been indicted and are now um, going to serve prison sentences or have to be fined. And uh, this was going on, uh, you know, this is a very neoliberal tactic, privatizing public resources, especially something that, as important as water. Um, now, of course, this is like five or six years before Flint and, you know, before uh, lead got back in its boat. But, uh, you know, there, there's been curious issues like that. Another example would be when he, when uh, Mayor Booker started off, he, when he got into council, he was able to pass a five-year moratorium on demolition of affordable housing. But once he became mayor, he allowed the demolition of uh, half of Terrell Homes. I mean, sorry, half of Hyatt Court. Hyatt Court is in the Ironbound, and I was part of making sure that we at least got to keep half of it open. We really... We're trying to keep all of it open. Um, he raised uh, back the Parrot, which was uh, one of the largest complexes that we had left, also a historic um, uh, complex here in, in Newark in the Central Ward. He did the same thing for Felix School, which was really in shape, and now they're just abandoned buildings that are standing up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, as much as the PR is good, the public policy hasn't been so sound. Right. And for people who live locally in Newark, um, and again, who do activism like you, what have been, first of all, what have been some of the greatest or like largest challenges that you all have faced just as a community, right? And as a city. Um, and then secondly, what are some of the challenges that you all have had at the community level? So I, you know, we talked a bit about Booker um, and how his position and relationship was uh, not so great uh, with, with regard to his policy, but what are, are there sometimes local 
um, mayoral or city council or other challenges that you all are dealing with um, that sort of serve as impediments to your activism and pro progress in the areas of environmental justice and housing rights? So, um, my my partner, my wife, is is from Los Angeles. She grew up in Commerce, and uh, we are both very committed to our communities. We've done a lot of organizing in our communities, and when she moved here. Uh, about four years ago, she was very surprised at how everything here kind of happens behind closed doors. If uh, you might have a public meeting, you might even have a, a, a smaller public meeting with a few representatives and, and elected officials, but it's, it's sometimes the deals, the, the real decisions are made uh, afterwards among three or four people, um, oftentimes mostly men, no community input. This is happening at, at every level of government in Newark. And oftentimes that means sitting down with uh, money interests, whether that's developers, landlords, uh, whether it's uh, people who are trying to set up new businesses. That is a very long time culture, uh, a very ingrained culture in Newark about making these deals or kind of sitting down and seeing what, what can be done versus uh, you know, advocating at, 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 to avoid uh, corruption at all costs or, or, or increasing pollution or any damages to people in the community. Some of the, the uh, ways that I can illustrate that are uh, here in Newark, most, a lot of people don't know that Newark is one of the, the uh, largest uh, environmental justice communities. It sits on the front line. Uh, there's a lot of industry that, that uh, even though manufacturing left Newark, we still have the port, we still have um, tons of highways that that, uh, that allow the trucks that come to in and out of the port. Um, there are uh, tons of super fun sites, just areas that, that cannot be used because it's completely polluted and needs to be uh, um, remediated, like the, the diamond alkali site where uh, many folks don't know that Agent Orange was produced right in the Ironbound, wow. uh, but these places are now completely unusable, totally polluted. Um, people have been fighting to fix these places up or to prevent uh, the creation of more places, uh, and that started, you know, about 30 years ago with a group called Ironbound Communities Against Toxic Waste, and eventually the folks from uh, Ironbound Communities Against Toxic Waste linked up with. Ironbound Community Corporation, and they have uh, been able to wedge themselves into uh, representing the, the community at that table, even though sometimes that there are those attempts or, or, you know, we do participate in sitting down with, with, with folks and having these conversations after a public meeting. We, we, there are organizations that for a very long time have been trying to consolidate people power so they can hear a way at that. And, and I, I think that our slate that we're running, we're called the Movement of the People. There's four of us that, that are running together. We're all part of Homes for All, which is a housing coalition that uh, started up uh, through work over the last uh, four or five years. We're all uh, come from that same lineage of, of activists who are trying to make sure that, um, not, not that we have a seat at the table, but that, that we have a table, that we're the folks mm -hmm. who are inviting uh, people outside of the city to come and sit down if they're planning to provide good jobs and allow for a good environment for our families here. And has the, I mean, has there been 
local support for that beyond the activist community? Are there any representatives or, um, again, like local local figures that have more or less pulled their weight and done what they were supposed to do to help you all? Or has that also been part of the, the sort of uphill battle that most activists face? Well, what I've seen is that, uh, unfortunately, over the last four years, all of the folks on the council, all nine members of the city council, and in, in, uh, to one extent or the other, have supported uh, the development in Newark and the, the landlords in Newark. Newark is made up of 78% renters. Mm. Uh, we don't have a champion. Even though 78% of us rent in Newark, we don't have a champion on the city council. We don't have a champion in the mayor. Uh, they are, you know, they, they say that they're representing all interests, including the developers and the landlords. Uh, which, you know, they, they're part of their constituents somehow. Um, I don't think that's, that's necessary for, for our place. But um, I, I know that some of them are, are more related to laborers than others. Uh, some of them are uh, more sensible to, to their wards because there, there are five that are specifically dedicated to their wards. So they might come out when there's a, a, a meeting on demolition of public housing or a meeting on um, creating transformers in their neighborhood, and then people come out and you know make an issue of it. But I can't say that there is there is an activist re uh, representing constituents on the council. I can't say that there's someone who uh, every time is on the side of the poor. And mm -hmm. I know that that's a priority for us. Is there? Uh, and most of these are Democrats, right? If I'm not mistaken, like most of Newark is is votes Democrat, correct? Yes. Oh, oh, well, so the Newark. Municipal election is uh, nonpartisan because we are under something called the Faulkner Act. The Faulkner Act is a state bill that allows each municipality to choose how they're going to run their government. And ours, you know, chose this this version a long time ago. Uh, but it, it it's nonpartisan. Yet almost everyone is uh, overwhelmingly uh, uh, Democrat. And we we all there are machines here. There is a very strong machine. Um, the county executive in, in, of Essex County, which is where Newark is, uh, that county executive is, is very powerful. He's done, he's made a lot of changes in Newark, a lot of improvements throughout the county, um, but he, he also has this very well-oiled machine, and it's easy for him to turn out votes for the incumbents, which is why it's difficult to challenge this culture and these practices that for about 20 years now have, have constantly been working. And um, they have, I mean, I'm assuming that they have ties with a lot of the, the sort of corporate interests that are coming into the city. But I'd also be curious if these people, I mean, are these long-term residents that are running the show politically? And are these, or are these sort of outside actors that come to Newark, live there for a couple of years, and then end up sticking around for political gain? Well, all the people on the council right now are Newarkers or long-time Newarkers. There's an interesting phenomena here in Newark where uh, you have to be a Newarker. You have to have your, your, your bona fides if you really want to uh, get any type of credibility from, from folks wherever you go. If you're not from Newark uh, or if you haven't been from Newark in the last five or ten years, a lot of people will uh, isolate you for that. Mm -hmm. the, uh, so we don't see people moving in and out of the council or in and out of government, and I'd say that that has been so... Since about 67, since about the, the when after the uprising happened um, in the 70s, there were uh, a lot more 
uh, black elected officials who were voted in and, um, you know, that kind of, it stayed that way for a very long time. Now, what I'm seeing, however, and, and we're seeing this all over the country, is that our elected officials are um, middle-of-the-road Democrats, uh, very either centrist if not um, center-right, uh, and they are often supporting uh, very neoliberal uh, policies. So it, it works. You know, there, we have longtime corporate players like Prudential, who was very instrumental in uh, rebuilding the city after 1967. But uh, we also have uh, groups like the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, uh, with, who we made a very bad deal for, for jobs and who we are still uh, dealing with trying to make sure, you know, pe people in, in, who work for Port Authority in New Jersey don't get paid as much for uh, Port Authority in New York. And it's really on the poor advocacy that's done by our elected officials. Um, other groups are starting to come into Newark. Uh, I think that a lot of the developers and the, uh, not, not so much the landlords, but we do have new developers that are coming in. And they come in with tons of promises of, um, you know, it's easy for them to make the luxury apartments. And it, of course, it benefits them because in the long run, this is going to be how they're going to retire. But the folks who, who uh, um, come and set up uh, supposedly low-income apartments often skimp out on the services that they want, that they said that they were going to bring. For example, uh, we have this one development called Teacher's Village. It was supposed to have a vertical farm inside. That has been stripped of, uh, off of it. It's supposed to have tons of real at the bottom, uh, uh, retail um, at, the, at the floor level. A lot of that hasn't come to fruition. Uh, we will get a lot of promises and, and not a lot of uh, uh, results. And yet our elected officials, um, they instruct zoning and planning board officials, uh, other folks to pass laws uh, to or first to allow variances so that these developers can come in and start developing, uh, give them tax abatements so that they have incentive to develop, yet uh, we don't make anything out of it or we don't get anything out of it as the workers. Um, and now even you see how the, the uh, mayor is willing to bend over backwards where somehow he and Chris Christie put together $7 billion, two of them coming from Newark. I have no idea where this money comes from because they didn't fund the Civilian Complaint Review Board at $500,000, like they said. The uh, police are already making $130 million, mostly of taxpayer dollars. I just I don't see where uh, we're getting that um, I mean, there's, there's tons of mismanagement, and it comes from the influence of these outside corporations, of these of these people who are lobbying uh, so that they can come in, set up shop, make some money, and not improve the lives of the workers. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, too, because you mentioned Chris Christie, who finally has left office, thank goodness. Um, but now I've noticed that the incoming governor, if I'm not mistaken, he's a Democrat, but he has Wall Street ties and is also sort of right-leaning on certain economic issues. What are your thoughts, if any, on, on sort of the prospect of this new governor and what what potential issues that may lie ahead uh, that you'll have to deal with? Well, it, it's absolutely impossible to do worse than Christy, but I'm very <laughs> glad that we have a new governor. Uh, and he, I have to say that I am impressed with how the governor is able to show up in places where where average people are. And I'll say that because um, 
the first day that the governor got into office, uh, I got a, a, a text message from my uh, pastor, and he says, uh, Victor, the governor's coming to the church. Uh, he, he, they, I just got a call. They want to do a meeting here. And our, our church has a long history of being uh, available to the public. They do town halls. They, they really are, are open to the community. So he was very excited that the governor um, showed up. And I get there, and uh, working, uh, working Families New Jersey was there working with folks. And um, it, it, I saw that there is a, a, a valuable connection there. I know before the, he got elected, he immediately linked up with uh, – Tons of activists here in, in Newark um, and people who are really doing good stuff, you know, really on the ground, in the trenches type of stuff, which to me was inspiring. I, I, I never saw Chris Christie doing something like that. So um, some of the, the best housing organizers that I know, uh, people who, uh, I mean, at, at, they, were, they went out to uh, the, these local meetings of, of uh, People's Organization for Progress, for example, or um, you know, they, they really tried to get out there. I, I, was, in, I was very interested in, in, in the way that, that he set up his campaign. I, I was equally motivated, of course, by seeing a, a lot of the other folks in, in their uh, candidates. I have to I say this only because Seth, there was a gentleman, Seth Chaperdale, who mm -hmm. ran uh, on the Green Party ticket. And that's another person who I, I saw at every protest, at every uh, grassroots meeting, uh, a bit of an aside, but I, I mention it only because in this last election, we saw a lot of people trying to connect into their community. Fortunately, so did uh, our incoming governor, and he is uh, pretty linked up. I think that in terms of economic uh, or economic opportunities, the legalization of marijuana, it looks like everyone in New Jersey is just hanging on, uh, waiting to see what's about to happen. Because from, uh, I've heard people talking about setting up uh, dispensary cooperatives. I've heard of people setting up uh, marijuana tourism uh, to attract people from across the river in New York, into New Jersey. Or I've heard of uh, how they want to expand the, the uh, current few dispensaries that are uh, uh, here in, in New Jersey. But I, people are saying things like, why don't we try to get uh, Represent, uh, legal representation for folks using that revenue to do like a, um, a civil Gideon, a, a guaranteed representation, kind of like what's happening in New York City right now with immigration or with housing. Mm -hmm. um, and a few other interesting uh, proposals of what we can do with that money. Uh, I personally am working with a group called UCEL. This is less to do with, with the governor, but, you know, I really think that the, the, the future is going through uh, – Shared economy, not not in the sense of, of like Uber or Lyft, um, but definitely in terms of a, a solidarity economy, something based in building cooperatives or uh, uh, helping folks who have all these great skills, being able to manage them uh, collectively and generate revenue as owners uh, rather than just as as workers in undemocratic settings. I, I have this sense that. Uh, well, I know that I'm, I'm going to be trying to push that to the next, uh, you know, however long here in New Jersey, and it'd be interesting to see what the governor would think about helping with something like that. Right, and that's definitely, I mean, it seems like that's something that would go back to a lot of Newark's roots, right? Um, because I know Newark has 
a fairly large immigrant population from Latin America. Um, there are also lots of people who are from, you know, who came up from the South, Black people who came up from the South after slavery who settled in Newark. So it's often been, a, it's, it's long been a place where people have had to literally work outside of the state in large degree um, and come together and sort of create things on their own to get things and keep things running, right? Um, and I'd say, especially after, you know, the the industrial boom fell in, in, in Newark, um, we've seen a lot of problems, but we've definitely also seen a community that's been willing to come together and really, you know, work um, towards changing things. Um, yeah. I'd be curious to know too, because we haven't touched on education a lot, but one thing that comes up often in the news is charter schools in Newark. Um, and I know, you know, Zuckerberg had done a deal with um, Cory Booker back in the day, if I'm not mistaken, um, to, to donate X million dollars uh, to, to school, to public schools in New Jersey, and I think Newark specifically, but that money just sort of like seemed to dissipate, <laughs> like didn't really go anywhere. And so I'd be curious right. to know your take on education and what this is on the ground, what the education advocacy looks like, if you have any background on that. Absolutely. So recently, the, the, the big buzz around education is that uh, the public schools are regaining local control. Uh, we lost lo uh, local control of our schools in about 1993, and uh, this is now Newark is regaining their control over their schools, and there's a lot of talk about what are the changes that are going to come, who's going to get hired, what are the hiring processes. Uh, I the charters, of course, or now have, you, you still hear the buzz, but um, I think the, the, the jury's still not out. Like, they're, they're, uh, a lot of people think that it's unfair that charter schools are not taking people who have special needs or who have an IEP. They think that it's unfair how sometimes uh, the, the people are chosen to go into uh, the charter schools. Um, also, some folks don't like the, the discrepancies in, in the quality of, of the school itself, like a, or better said, the charter school and the private school seem to be better. They're in places, they, they get different resources than the, the public schools. And so it just, it, there's this optic of um, the public schools seem worse on faith. I think there's like a resentment of this public funding going towards this, this private school. Right. Uh, 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 even even though it is for the public, but not everyone's getting it, and there's this, it's just these clear discrepancies. But also, um, I think a lot of people are are or a couple of things are inspiring. I do see a community school that's coming up uh, in in downtown Newark. That they're located on Halsey Street, which is uh, really coming up. Uh, they they it's very local controlled on on Halsey Street. There's a lot of black owned business. There's uh, a few cooperatives there, and um, they're kind of under the gun because they're right next to Prudential, which just uh, built a new headquarters, and, and, and this area, the rents are rapidly rising and gentrifying, but uh, folks are, are holding on, and um, they're, they're really bringing in a, a lot more people and representing people there locally. There's a school in that area, and I think that that's uh, very encouraging. Um, on the other hand, in terms of the, the, the public schools and the struggle that, that's happening in there, there is a uh, part, a faction of one of the teachers' unions, uh, and they're called New Caucus, N-E-W Caucus. Mm -hmm. And the New Caucus 
advocates for, uh, I would say, the most progressive forms of, of education. They're, they're a, a much more uh, radical faction of the union, and they're somewhat linked to another organization called New Jersey Communities United. And New Jersey Communities United is a grassroots coalition that has organized uh, several young people, several students. And the students have, they did several sit-ins, takeovers. Uh, they they um, sometimes just interrupted the, the school board meetings that were going on to advocate for local control, to advocate getting rid of, of bad testing, to advocate uh, to have more student input uh, on the curriculum and on uh, their studies. Uh, it's very inspiring because it, these, this group is mostly made up of young people. Of course, they have some adults who are um, organizing or backing them up. Uh, but that there uh, a few years ago, some of the members of that organization, or, or uh, they were able to facilitate a massive walkout and a massive protest of high school students who were completely opposed to the uh, state control and to the conditions of the public school. So we now that we're regaining local control, there's a solid base of, of young people um, and recent grads who are, are very active, and they're working with the teachers in, the, in some of the unions. I'm very hopeful about that. I want to see a lot of results coming, or I'm excited to see the results coming from that organizing. So when you said earlier that, and, and you just mentioned it as well about regaining control, but when the control of the schools was removed from the local um, area, what does that look like? I mean, was it was it like an outside manager that dealt with education, sort of like what we've seen in Detroit? Or is there some sort of, is it just like the state controls it? What does that mean when a local, like when the local community loses control of the schools? But it's the, the latter. It, it is state control outright. There were, uh, this, the Board of Education, even though they were still being, I mean, a school board, uh, the members of the school board are still were, have been elected continuously since the uh, takeover by the state, but the school board wasn't able to uh, make all the decisions or what they, they would make recommendations, but they didn't have actual control over the, the, the um, curriculum or how things were going to happen. This was done by folks at the state instead, so there's someone named Cammy Anderson who uh, for a long time had control over this. Uh, during that that state period of control, uh, recently the governor uh, or the former governor, Chris Christie, implemented something called park testing, which a lot of the teachers found uh, just had no value on, on giving another test, another standardized test to students. And um, they were, there were all these very high standards, all these uh, big risks that were really just making students nervous in terms of what if I don't meet certain achievement uh, uh, standards and, you know, it's just, it wasn't contributing anything to the school and that, that school board couldn't do anything about it. Recently, the school board has been very excited about uh, the election, that people have been excited to vote for school board elections because we know that this look, we're regaining local control soon. In fact, I, I think it might be today or tomorrow that it's official that we, we do have that complete local control um, that we don't have to be monitored um, in terms of the budget or in terms of curriculum or be unable to make any other decisions over our local public schools. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I hope that 
I hope that it works out because I know that Newark's been through a lot and y'all need a break. <laughs> you have to catch a break at yeah. some point. Um, but definitely in the area of education, that's super important. Um, on education, I was thinking, you know, I, I interviewed um, a colleague of mine who's working on a book right now and who does a lot of research with regard to um, Puerto Rican youth and student activism um, and sort of how people both on the island and in the diaspora were inspired by a lot of internationalist movements, left-leaning movements um, to, to really rethink the way they saw education and, and education advocacy for students. And I'd be curious to know, just in the case of Newark um, specifically, if you're aware of any, any particular movements such, you know, similar to that, or even movements that you've been involved in, and how they've, they've connected sort of these large, connected to, I should say, some of these larger left-leaning movements or international movements. And I'd also be curious about your own background, um, if, if there's been anyone in your life and your family or mentors um, that have really inspired you, um, and in particular, sort of what their political ideology has been and how it's connected you to places beyond uh, just Newark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I have to say in, in terms of, of myself, my parents are from El Salvador and they were uh, young. They were pretty young. They, they weren't even in their 20s. Or I think my dad was 20 when he came over here. But uh, in their teens, they got involved in the, the liberation struggle in, in El Salvador. El Salvador was run by military dictatorships for a very long time, uh, dictatorships that were backed by the United States and uh, during the 12-year the war and even before that, uh, the United States would send about a million dollars a day uh, to help the military or give a million dollars in military aid or direct funding to uh, get guns for the military or bombers and oftentimes they would really kill populations indiscriminately, uh, and my my parents, they saw that in, in the cities. Uh, this was mostly going on in the rural areas, but it, what they saw in the city was people organizing, people uh, getting involved in their communities, people spreading the word, uh, and this all had to be done clandestinely. So they th this was really grassroots, very underground type of organizing, um, and my both my parents, my, my parents my, were involved to, to in, in different ways. My mom was more on the ground, and at one point, she almost became a child soldier. Uh, my dad was involved more on the in the uh, student movement, and he was uh, also part of um, the the that uh, liberation struggle with the actual uh, party that was trying to do so. Um, and he he found out, because everybody used pseudonyms, that members of his family were involved as well. Wow. Uh, and <laughs> so this, yeah, you know, and and I I they never. Like, I was never inculcated. They never told me, you know, believe this or act this way. Or maybe I shouldn't say that. They never told me to believe something like uh, uh, just because to believe it on faith, but to have principles, to have values, to respect people, to um, care for, for one another and to see equality in each other, to be humble, um, to be thankful for things. I, I think that really influenced me in, in the long run to, to think and act the way that I do. Um, my here in Newark, I think just the, the my mentors and since I've been a little boy, you know, hearing about um, the, the the freedom movement and civil rights struggle. I, when I got into high school and I, uh, you know, I was talking to to my mentors there. They were 
there were members of uh, militant groups in in the 70s or you know of uh, the Black Panther Party or of uh, even organizations that that just happened to be organizing then at that time and um they all inspired me to to be a part of of organizing in Newark uh, of of revitalizing my community from from the the ground up I, and there's there's a lot the thing is there's uh fertilizer in, in Newark. Like like there's there's a um nu- there's nutrition for someone who's looking for something like that in Newark because you have the longtime People's Organization for Progress, uh with Chairman Larry Hamm. He's well connected to, to Newark and they do uh tons of annual events uh like the Martin Luther King Junior March or um the annual March for Reparations. Uh there's any any time that there is a oh well actually on, on Mondays they have a standing meeting on uh, police brutality. There's this uh, real respect for um, organizing and, and doing it in a long term, doing it consistently. And um, it, to me, that's just very in, in, inspiring. It makes me feel like you got to be a part of it, especially if if it's the the type of thing you, um, that you want to do. Recently, we've been able to put together this organization, Homes for All, which is an amalgamation of all kinds of tenants uh, in Newark, uh, public housing, subsidized, uh, Section 8, market rate, and homeowners. And uh, we're using that same um, solidarity model, the same idea that people have to be active to make a difference, to uh, first to, to, to motivate us and to, to uh, change stuff at a local level, but now that we're running and now that we're talking to more people and going into their apartments and seeing their conditions, um, we're expanding our network at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, as my partner likes to say, we're planting, we're planting two trees with one seed. We are <laughs> um, both running for, for our positions, but also figuring out who are, the other, who are the movers and the shakers throughout Newark, who are the people who are very concerned and want to get involved in their communities, and and we we're gonna whatever happens win lose or draw this election um, in the next four years we're gonna grow we're gonna grow stronger and we're gonna continue um, using the same model of social justice of, of community based politics of commanding by obeying the people that we're serving. It's really exciting what you all are you know what you're doing and what your team is doing and and especially people like you in general right like activists in Newark again I've I've mentioned this multiple times but I really think that you know, Newark is a place that's often slept on and, and there's a lot of amazing activism going there and a lot of things happening that I think people could learn from and expand um, into their own communities. So I'm curious to hear what your sort of what you foresee for Newark, where you see Newark going in the future um, and how you think Newark as a city and as a much larger community can sort of reach those goals. How can How can Newark be a more fair and equitable and inclusive place um, for everyone who, who lives there? Yeah, um, well, I think that Newark is at a crossroads. So if we are able to either get representatives on the council or maybe the council and the administration get religion, they, uh, if, we, if, if tenants are, are well represented, then I think we're gonna Newark may look like a place where um, there will be a, a a representation of the tenants where they're not displaced. Right now, uh, it, if if we don't have representation on the council, what will quickly happen is that uh, 
the rents have already gone up. The rents are at, at about $1,400, which I know for New York City often doesn't sound like much. But here in Newark, we had people paying seven or $800 not too long ago who are now facing uh, $1,400, $1,500 uh, in, in just a regular place. And these luxury apartments will go up to 2000 or more. Mm-hmm. And so it, they're simply not available to our people. And, and the council, the planning board, the zoning board, they're stepping all over the, the uh, master plan. Uh, they're saying that it's, that's, a, um, uh, that it, that's just a, a suggestion. It's not um, actual law that we don't have to follow it, even though we, we spend a lot of time putting input in there. If we do get representation, I think that we will respect the master plan. I know that we will respect our riverfront and not put up uh, 40-story buildings the way that the incumbents have just approved for developers in Newark. I know that uh, the mayor right now has a plan to get 2,020 people jobs by 2020. And unfortunately, he hasn't enforced any of the laws that are on the book right now. I think that if we would get on the council or if we are properly or we are able to advocate and push the council to do the right thing um they would be implementing the policies not only their their own ordinances but the the count using the county state and federal money uh uh federal monies that come in that are supposed to go to uh training hiring and licensing people uh, i i think that we would actually be able to to implement that instead of just letting it uh gain dust and, and not actually put it into place. Uh, I think that if, if Amazon comes to Newark within the next four years, we're going to see a complete shift in the demographic. We're going to see changes in, in the neighborhood characteristics because these bigger buildings are going to come in with um, that are trying to create more density uh, or, and um, have all this much more expensive housing. Uh, for for Newarkers, I think that that's going to impact the next election because depending on on how many gentrifiers come into Newark, uh, we might start losing seats on the council for yeah. people who have been longtime Newarkers. And I don't think that that the the council thinks about that at all. I do think that Raz Baraka is, will, will uh, has the best chance of being mayor as it is right now. So that's definitely going to be Newark for the next uh, four years. But Regardless of who has control, what I see amongst the grassroots and amongst the people is a higher level of organizing, a more sophisticated level of organizing. People are taking on uh, very uh, difficult issues and maneuvering them very easily because they're linking up with uh, professionals and with organizations that are interested in in helping them out. So um, regardless of what happens at the government level, I know that on on the ground, uh, we're working hard to improve our city and really uh, um, take the the orders from the people and move forward the people's agenda, not those of money interest. Right. And I think, too, that I mean, you mentioned just a second ago that the ways that a lot of um, external development changes the way the city looks in terms of its its demographics and its even geographic spatial different, um, you know, spatial organization and the like. One thing, too, that I was just thinking as well is if you're having you know, one thing that I saw, for example, I used to live in Bed-Stuy and now I live in Baltimore. And one thing that I see in both of these places is that there is an intense um, influx of policing, for example, in areas that they're trying to switch or flip into being more upscale housing areas and neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, and there's also, I mean, right now, when you're thinking about 
crackdowns of immigration, although that's been ongoing, not just in the, in Trump's administration, but before that as well. Right. I'm just thinking right. about Newark being a space where there are a lot of Latino immigrants. And I'm wondering like what that would look like as well. So if you combine both policing and ICE enforcement and gentrification, that's a really dirty cocktail, you know, and dangerous yeah. one at that. So absolutely. And, and, and we need, we need a um, stronger policies. I know the you know the rave is sanctuary cities, but we we need to address uh, public safety so that um, both uh, immigrants and potentially undocumented immigrants, and as well as uh, you know the, the the average young black person, young man or woman who is walking down the street and is being accosted by the police, we need public safety to stop. Uh, we need to stop bro- broken windows policing, and we need to stop criminalizing. Uh, the 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 people who really feel impacts when they're being criminalized. You know, a, a young person in, in a suburb um, might get a, a a a second chance through so many different programs that exist. While in Newark, uh, a, an officer might give a young person a criminal charge, and that's it for their employment. That's it for their housing. You know, and they might only be 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing uh, happens with undocumented immigrants who might be flagged for deportation. We need to really codify and we need to, to, to um, change the way that policing is happening in Newark so that our residents, are, especially the folks who, are, who aren't involved in crime at all, stay safe. Right. Absolutely. I hope that that, that too is something that, you know, the city itself can take on with, with greater, um, I don't know, greater dedication. Because again, like I just think as someone who lived in New, in New York, someone who now lives in Baltimore, and then I know Newark a little bit, I just, I know that this, these issues are ongoing and, and definitely need to be <laughs> countered in terms of, of the public yeah. safety issue. Um, so I know that you're on the road right now, like literally as we're having this um, interview, you were driving to yes. do something related to your campaign. So I'd be curious to yeah. know if you could tell us a little bit about that. What are you driving to? What are you doing today? Um, where, what's the, what are the next steps for your campaign? And then also how can people find out more about what you do, um, some advocacy that you're involved in, and also the, for people in Newark, the actual campaign itself? So the the we're uh, AMP, a movement of the people. If you look up uh, a movement of the people dot com, we uh, you'll see our website and uh, some of our bios and our stories there. I you can also find me on Instagram at Victor for Council. That's Victor for Council F O R Victor for Council on Instagram. Um, there you'll you'll see some pictures of of what we're doing. So this morning. I uh, was I went down to the uh, county welfare office in Newark to attempt to collect petitions from the folks there. It was an off Monday, so there weren't too many folks. We went to a public school and we picked up some uh, signatures there. We had a three-person team on the ground, um, and this is this is less than 12 hours after three of our teams wrapped up um, last night, hitting uh, three different uh, or two different housing complexes and um, one neighborhood in, in downtown. The, uh, and so I, 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 to be honest, at the moment, at this very moment, I'm driving to a training for work, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I have. So you're still a, working uh, while my, you're campaigning, in other words. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, and so I, I represent homeless young people at Covenant House, New Jersey, uh, throughout uh, courts in New Jersey. And um, in the mornings and in the evenings and in the uh, at noon, what I've been doing is, is campaigning. So that'll look like 
this morning going to the schools or at noon. I love hitting uh, Broad Street and Market Street, which is our main intersection in downtown Newark, and we'll pick up a lot of signatures there. Uh, in the evening, I'll go to meetings or um, I'll do door knocking. On the weekends, we do a lot of door knocking. We have a, a standing meeting on Sundays where people from the community come. What I like about the standing meetings is there are maybe maybe a, a handful or more of people who are always there. And then there's people who come in and out and who I know from the community who want to see what's going on, who figure out how they could get, put in their two cents. And, you know, our, our network keeps growing. Um, we It's been very encouraging to see how many of the organizers and organizations that we've been working with support us and come out uh, for us and, and uh, give us whatever resources that we need to, uh, because we're really running on a, on a shoestring budget. Um, but we, we're all very dedicated. Some of us, most of us are employed. All of us are, um, you know, average folks here in, in Newark. And um, it, it, it makes it easier to reach people that way. And not only that, but when we do talk to people, we realize that none of the elected officials are, are personally going out and shaking hands and learning or trying to address people's issues. I know that whether, again, win, lose, or draw, our network is growing. And we're also figuring out new issues in housing that we have to take on to improve the quality of life of people in Newark. Uh, I wish that the, the people who are in power could say that too, um, but they don't. And that's what makes us different. That's why we're a movement of the people. Um, and, you know, for, for the folks listening, um, it's myself, Victor Monterosa, running as councilman at large, Anthony Diaz, running as uh, uh, councilman for the Central Ward. Helene Freeman, who is running for Councilwoman of the North Ward, and Tanisha Gardner, who is running for uh, East Ward Councilwoman. Um, all of us part of Homes for All, a grassroots coalition of housing organizations and activists that successfully pushed a, uh, a, to strengthen the rent control ordinance uh, to get a, an inclusionary zoning ordinance. And now we're fighting to um, get uh, on, onto the ballot and into uh, electoral power here in the city. Well, I am already super impressed. I hope that you will win. <laughs> I wish you the best of luck. Thank and, you. you know, even if you, you don't win, it's amazing just the work that you all do on the ground. And it's obviously so important. Um, and I hope that you all are able to continue that both within and beyond the, the campaign space. So I don't doubt that you will. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, thanks again so much, Victor, for joining me. And I hope you have, uh, again, really good campaign. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And thank you so much for listening to episode eight of the Left Pocket Project podcast. As always, you can find the Left Pocket Project on Twitter at LeftPOC, on Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash LeftPOC, on Reddit as LeftPOC, and on Media Revolt as, of course, LeftPOC. As for the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by checking out SoundCloud, and that's soundcloud.com slash LeftPOC, Spreaker, and that's spreaker.com slash user slash LeftPOC, and on iTunes by just going to the iTunes store and searching for LeftPOC under podcasts. And finally, if you'd like to show your financial support, you can go to patreon.com slash LeftPOC. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good one. Thank you.